FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic of the Gathering singles this week. we got another uh, part of our spring sale, Volume 2, hundreds of cards, up to 50% off. So go to FaceToFaceGames.com, click on the first banner uh, to sec- check out all the cards that you can save on. Also, go check our Facebook page uh, to learn how to win $50 store credits. We've got the full gang in the house, minus Elliot, who's uh, practicing Legacy at the local Montreal shop. We've got Kelly in the house. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Kelly Ackerman from F2F Toronto. Broadcasting live from the new Toronto store. Pretty exciting. And uh, man, so just so let's just get right down to it. Tell us about the store. Okay, well, I'm not even going to tell you. You can see it. <laughs> we have this elaborate, decisive orange stripe. Okay, a wall with an orange stripe. It's beautiful. Tell me it's not beautiful. <laughs> That's that's really the most exciting thing about the new Toronto store. One of one of many exciting things, but that is pretty exciting. We're uh, we are eight days out from moving in here, so it's finally starting to come together, look like a store. Let's see if I can get a, a tilt the camera, get a shot of our beautiful live edge wood tables. These gorgeous tables, they're going to be so nice to play magic on. We've got three, not one, not two, but three ground floor washrooms for customers to use, which is pretty exciting. We've all been in that game store where you're like waiting a really long time for that guy who like just drove in from like four hours away and is like destroying the washroom. You don't have that problem here. <laughs> you, you won't have that problem in this store. It's going to be great. You just use one of the other washrooms and you don't need to go into that one for a while. It's going to be great. I've been loving the social media countdown, like counting down. Like your one of your latest posts was uh, the fact that you're going to have lots of plugs for people to plug their phones to charge their phones and and devices. There they are in all their mag- USB outlets. <laughs> USB outlets. Yeah, you can charge your phone. You could charge your iPod, your tablet, whatever. If you've got a Chromebook, you could even charge your Chromebook right out of the outlet. It's going to be ridiculous. So, so for people who don't know, uh, where, where's the new location? The new store, 1398 Danforth, is like a kilometer down the road from where we were before. So it's still right outside Subway Station. It's just Greenwood Subway Station now for those who live in Toronto. Those who don't live in Toronto, it's still in Toronto. You still have to come to Toronto to visit the shop. It's really exciting. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're eight days away. I'm like losing my mind a little bit because it's, there's a lot of different stuff going on, but, uh, it's really exciting and it's, it's coming together. We actually have two of your guys, uh, Will and Kyle from the warehouse have flown in as emergency reinforcements to help <laughs> us like put price gun stickers on all the sleeves and get them on all the, you know, the pegs and everything. And, uh, the, the the mountain of cardboard because we had like all the tables, all the chairs, all the new tables, new chairs, new like furniture and stuff. There's just so much cardboard. Uh, everyone walking by outside on the damn floor is like, what is 
what is going on? Why is this a cardboard factory? I'm so confused. This is garbage night tonight. So it's like a giant cardboard mountain. So you've, you've been at the old location for, for a few years now. Are you, did you learn anything that would make you set it up differently? Like this time around is, is something different uh, based on what you've learned? Oh yeah, for sure. There's so many things we've learned. Uh, and, 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 you know, five years ago, when when we get got to work opening the Toronto shop, there was sort of a a level of game store that was sort of acceptable. And you know, we we didn't have a store in Toronto, and so we sort of built a shop that was like welcoming and inviting. We were focused on customer service and all that, and and that sort of welcoming experience is still going to be with us. It's just everything is just a little more fine tuned, you know, and. Uh, you know, there's there's uh, a lot of lessons that came out of that. What's what? What do you guys think? What's your number one thing when you go to a game store? What do you look forward to at the game store? What do you wish your game store had uh, that 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 we could bring to the table? Let's see if we got them. Televisions, <laughs> like just like to stream arena on or to like, like you know how the old the one that you guys are still at now had a television like mounted midway on the wall yes. for like yeah for round clocks or streaming entertainment uh in between rounds or events or during the day or even just promotional things i like that sort of thing it just keeps me entertained while i'm twiddling my thumbs in between rounds because they always go over by like half an hour <laughs> Excellent. Well, there is uh, an already a TV. We've been streaming every like last Sunday, and then like yeah, two days ago, we we streamed Game of Thrones here at the shop. We had like a like a friends and family Game of Thrones catch up night, and then two nights ago, we watched the first episode here. And we're gonna take a week off for for <laughs> Easter because we'll be in Niagara at, at the Grand Prix. But uh, starting pre release weekend, like if you come to two headed Sunday night two headed giant pre release, don't bring or your small children or or if you do bring your small children like <laughs> drop at the end of round two because people are definitely going to start getting their heads chopped off game of th- in in the show it's Andy, be great Andy, did you have a suggestion uh, i just remember uh, just kind of piggybacking on derek what derek said is like back in my lgs going days i did always appreciate like a TV to be streaming like other events that happen. It's like sometimes I would go to the LGS and would just watch the Pro Tour. And sometimes you would just go to the LGS and like hope that something else is streaming or something like that. And I don't know. I've watched Mean Girls at my local game store and had a good time. So I think I think TVs are pretty sweet. I think another thing is like good tables and chairs. Like good ones, not right. not the same Costco ones that everyone has. <laughs> Kelly's showing us the high quality That's chairs. A hell of a chair. Test cool. the wall. Just toss the chair right at the wall. <laughs> just throw the chair. Just just throw the TV. <laughs> I, I like clean looking spaces. There's some dungeon looking danger zones that are LGSs that I've been to that just I, I don't like to go there because I just don't enjoy my enjoy the way it looks. Invites the wrong kind of crowd, but Keeping things clean, I think, is pretty important. More important than the TV, I'll say. I think. I think the biggest thing for us was was having a space that is welcoming and inviting to everyone. And so part of that was, you know, be now that we're on the ground floor, we're no longer on the second floor. 
we wanted an accessible entrance so we've I, it won't be ready for open but soon after we're gonna have like a like a button you can press that'll open the door i'll never forget there was an rptq we were hosting at the toronto shop and uh, we got a phone call like half an hour before the event started and this guy was like hey uh i'm downstairs i'm trying to come in and we're like okay come on up and he's like i'm in a wheelchair we're like oh shit <laughs> like like it's the rptq it's not like he had a choice of where he was gonna go right it wasn't like right. he'd go to the other store down the street or anything and so like you know he was he was super cool about it we went down and we we're like how can we best assist you in attending this magic tournament you know and uh and he was a beast he was like just carry my chair up man i got this so he like grabbed the handrails and he was just like brought himself up to, and, and i was like super impressed but um but yeah, but it was, you know, it was like not ideal. <laughs> so being on a ground floor with an accessible front door and an accessible washroom is something that is just going to make this space a place that everyone can use, you know, and, uh, and not every game store has the ability to do that. And I'll be the first to admit it is not, you know, uh, you know, like for five years, we were just on the second floor and we just had to say no to this huge portion of the population, like even like moms and dads with strollers and stuff just couldn't really participate in the space before. So we're really, really excited to be moving to the ground floor. But I, think you, the real, I think the real question is how close are you guys to a pizza pizza? So, <laughs> so much further. We are 1.2 kilometers away from a pizza pizza. In fact, uh, but uh, yeah, good but, food nearby, good food nearby is a big deal. So, you know, we, we had the cafe in the shop before and, uh, but we're moving like four doors down from Red Rocket, which is like this, the local coffee shop. And they actually do like wholesale baked goods out of the back too. So they have like scones and muffins that they do up fresh every day. But, uh, I was like, uh, you know, there's no way we can hold a candle to what they do. So why would I fight against them? We'll just work together. I know Billy, the owner. So We've partnered up with them and they're going to have like fresh, fresh snacks delivered every day. And they're going to do like roast beef sandwiches and stuff like that. So, and then there is an A&W down the road, uh, which has delightful poutine and excellent beyond meat burgers for the vegetarians and vegans uh, interested. And um, yeah, we're going to expand our like snack selection a little bit too. So like more variety when it comes to knickknacks and snacky, snacky do's. Yeah, yeah, the ca- the cafe part never worked for for Montreal because we were just surrounded by du- Dunkin' Donuts, uh, Blackstrap, different places that were just sushi uh, sushi shop, uh, sushi time rather, and then they just offered better food. Like, what were we gonna do? <laughs> yeah, yep. Well, it's you know, and, and that's the thing is we're moving into a neighborhood that's more like that with more variety. We'd rather work with those partners and those neighbors than to try to compete against them in a way that just doesn't make sense, you know. So we we want everyone to have access to the best that the neighborhood has to offer. There's like a really great pub two doors over that has these big long tables that you could, in theory, fit eight people around on a Sunday night. And if you just happen to open some booster packs and pass them around the table while you're drinking your beer, you know, that's, uh, it's up to you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's going to be fun. I'm really excited about the neighborhood. Um, is there anything special you're planning for, for like the opening day? So the actual, the whole first opening week, uh, we're, we're making, you know, not to give it, 
too much away. But uh, in our upcoming event uh, countdown, you'll see we've, we're sort of revising and fine-tuning our event schedule. And uh, our events for the, the, the first seven days uh, will all be... F- all the constructed events will be free to enter, uh, which is pretty exciting. So you can come out, play some magic, enjoy the new space. And of course, the first weekend, we're open at the new shop. Like we, We're open on the Wednesday, so Thursday, Friday. Friday night is midnight pre-release. Uh, into a full pre-release weekend where like previously for the last like every pre-release since we've opened like Fate Reforged was our very first pre-release at the shop and since then every single pre-release we've had to turn people away just because there's we only had room for like 65 people in the store so or or like if we turned it into a real sardine can we could get like 75 in but uh but now we can fit 100 people comfortably and we're going to have pre-release on opening weekend. So it's uh, super, super exciting. I can't wait to see like all the like moms and grandmas in the neighborhood like, just out for a Saturday afternoon stroll and looking in and being like, what the hell? These guys just opened and they're full. What's going on? It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I'm really excited to see it, uh, to see the finished product. Um... You always make it look nice. I mean, the the place, the the old place was comfy looking. was was great was a great experience, a great place to play in. Well, uh, we look forward to continuing that on in the new space. Uh, for those who haven't been, jump on Facebook, follow along. We're doing this daily countdown. We're announcing all the exciting stuff. If you're in Toronto or the GTA, come out to the shop. We've got little coupons you can pick up that'll give you a, a good you know. 13.98 because that's our new address 1398 13.98% off your first purchase at the new shop grab yourself a coupon and come visit us at the new shop if you haven't signed up for pre-release sign up for pre-release it's going to sell out even you know because we're still limited by how much product we have so jump online facefacegames.com you can find the link there if you're in Montreal sign up for the Montreal shops pre-release they also will probably sell out uh, cuz i know it gets pretty crowded in there too is that that's that's right. Yeah, car like midnight yeah. pre-release will be like a billion people or whatever. Super fun. Pre-releases where wherever you are, go to your pre-release. Pre-release is the best, especially this set. Like, why should I go planeswalkers? A bajillion planeswalkers. It's gonna be so fun. Like that. You remember that, like when you're cracking your pre-release packs, you're like, oh, I hope I get a planeswalker. I hope I get one. I hope I get one. <laughs> now you're like, I hope I get six. Oh wait, I did. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's pretty nuts because I think this is the first time we're going to be well, us Montreal. We're we're hosting all nine, and we used to host seven, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, we've had to take out a round or two, oh, well, a, a round from certain pre-releases to to be able to fit nine, and now we have two yeah. two-headed uh, giants. So I'm excited for the set as well. Um, One last thing I will say, and this is uh, it was what. 30 hours ago we and we we opened registration for the mcqs the magic cup qualifiers uh the or mythic champions i don't know and whatever mcq mythic championship qualifier <laughs> you got it uh yeah uh so we opened registration for those and both pre-registrations the toronto event on june 15th the montreal event on may 11th both of those are selling like gangbusters and they are limited. Wizards have said it's capped at 226 players. I think the Toronto one is about 20% full. Like 30 hours later, we've had like like 40 registrations or something like that. And the Montreal one, I think, is close to that as well. So if you do want to come to the Mythic Championship qualifier, 
register. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> I mean, it's sick. It's going to be sick. It's so funny because we built this whole thing of like, oh, it's going to be fun and we'll make a bunch of good prizes. I hope the promo's okay. And then they spoil Arcbound Ravager. And I remember like looking at me like, Arcbound Ravager. I walked over to the showcase and looked in the showcase. was like, $60. <laughs> and I looked at our registration like, $70. Like, hmm. <laughs> well, all right. I, I guess this will sell out then. That's fine. That's fine. So... I, I do expect both to, to sell out uh, before it happens. Um, yeah. right, anything else, Kelly? And uh, we'll, we'll, anyone, we'll... anyone have any questions for me? I got a, I, I have like a little baby and like a large <laughs> child at home who's like seven now. So I'm going to go home and take care of them. But I, if you guys have any questions about the new shop, about Toronto, about Magic, Derek, you did a great job on Sunday. I was tuning into your stream. You were... Uh, you were hosting, uh, uh, or you were you were one of the commentators at the big Harry T three K. That was fun. Yeah, that 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 was fun. That uh, we got we randomly got a lot of viewers all of a sudden because I think Gabe Nassif hosted us. Nice right for top eight. So like, I was getting messages like about like basically what you said. Like I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. Like we were just. Uh, just hanging out, doing commentary. So yeah, that was fun. Were you guys were you guys in the venue? Like this was like a three k out in Scarborough, like a local Toronto event. Yeah, we were. Uh, like, so I I don't know how many people know about Binghamins in Kitchener, but it's basically like a fun park. So they they have it in Binghamins, um, and then they they had this one at a at a Legion, and so we were just like in the corner of the building. Uh, in like the event hall, just like with a computer and and a sound setup, and then they had the com- the the cameras and everything like the next room over. So I don't know. I'm pretty sure they couldn't hear us, but far enough away so they couldn't hear us. But it, it was like very very basic. We didn't have front cameras or anything, but it did the job, right? I guess people enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. I I tuned in round seven when Dilks was just like. Like Matt Dilk's local Toronto savant of the the primeval Titans, he's just like that man just keeps going. How did that match end? I had to go. I don't, I don't even remember like what round seven was. Uh, he was playing. His opponent was playing like spirits, I think, and oh, yeah. he was just Dilk, like, "Whoops!" <laughs> Dilk's was like Dilk's won. He was like super dead, and then somehow he wasn't super dead. And he just, you know, I don't know if anybody knows Dilks, but he just doesn't smile. So he like won a tight one and then just was like business as usual. Yeah, exactly. Just like, how'd that go? Eh, I got to play three more rounds. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> there was an amazing moment when he won the ultimate showdown of Ultimate Destiny, which is our like six month invitational where you get like literally a thousand dollars cash. You have to qualify for it, then you get a thousand dollars cash for for getting first or second place. And you get your name on like our giant like eleven foot tall trophy that we have that's like totally over the top and outrageous. And he wins and I'm like, okay Matt, let's take a picture for social media. He's like I'm like, can you smile a little? He's like, no. No, it's fine. <laughs> Smiling's not his thing. <laughs> not his thing. Just winning epic magic tournaments. That's all he cares about. Just win more magic. So, 
All right. We'll let you get back to your family, Kelly. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, hey, I'm thanks, thanks for having me. It's super exciting. We can't wait. Uh, and uh, I think Thursday next week, like the, the day after opening day, we're going to be doing a bunch of live streaming. Alias V, she's a big uh, arena streamer who is actually one of the commentators at the Mythic Invitational. She, we just uh, invited her to come down. She, she like drafts at the shop and plays standard on Saturdays. So we invited her to come down. She's booked the day after work and she's just going to like stream arena all day with as soon as War of the Spark goes live. Assuming I can figure out how to make streaming happen, but well, it'll be fine. fine. So Thursday afternoon, hey, yep. All right, plug, 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 plug. plug. <laughs> we'll see you later, Kelly. <laughs> Ciao. Thanks for coming on. See you guys. All right, that was Kelly Ackerman, president of Face Face Games Toronto. Um, while I get some a bunch of special. Modern experts on by while they'll make their way. Uh, yeah, let me plug the Mythic Championship qualifiers May 11th, June 15th, Montreal, Toronto. Old PTQs are back. Me and Derek have been talking about how they've been miserable in the past, but also, you know, it's, it's how I became friends with Derek. It's how I became friends with Andy. Like, this is what bonded, created these bonds. And uh, when Ben Stark tweeted about why people would prefer the new style, the new MCQ over the old pre-TQs, people were talking about this. They wanted to play one tournament. They didn't want to play a collection of small tournaments that led to an RPTQ. And I can see, like, despite the grind, that uh, there are benefits to, to the PTQ. And I just can't wait to see everyone at the first one. The Montreal one, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to see Elliot there. I'm going to see a bunch of people there. Yeah, yeah. Edgar's in the house. Um, we, we were talking about Matthew Dilks, but uh, about him, <laughs> Kelly was mentioning him as the amulet savant, but we have the amulet savant, Edgar Malvahez, in the house. And we've got Attila Fur on the way as well to chat about uh, a bit about his deck that he won Magic Fest Calgary with. Um, full house, but, but Derek, uh, quick thoughts on, on the MCQ. How excited are you? Uh, I, I've been known to say this recently that I hate magic, but I love the gathering. And I think what you said about, uh, going and seeing all these people is really important. I remember, uh, one of the, one of the couple times, second times we met was in a PTQ where Rob was playing Frankie, I think his name is, and they were like drafting in a limited and you like walk over and you're like, who, who do you have? And I'm like, oh, Rob Lombardi. He's like, oh, and you're like, Rob Lombardi, I've never heard of him. And then, of course, he goes on to, to win, win a GP and be the original co-host of the show. So I think that PTQs, specifically when your area is, is really, really full of good players, is, is a good place to network, get to know good players and get better at Magic, even if the grind is a grind. Uh, I look really forward to it. Like, I'm probably going to go 1-3. I won't go 0-2 because I'm not that unlucky and then just stick around and go for food after because that's what's up. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I really can't wait. Um, let's, let's, uh, when, you, when you're covering the Harry T tournament, Derek, was there a, a lot of Amulet Titan? <laughs> there, was, there was only five copies in the or There were six copies in the room and five made top eight. And of, of the people that made top eight, 
three of them were are like arguably like it was Edgar, Morgan, and Dilks. Um, the guy who won Banting and somebody I didn't know. So like Edgar and Dilks are obviously two of the best players in the world and Morgan's a platinum pro. So uh like I would say if you put the three of them with any deck, they would win. But the fact that they did it all with Amulet and two other people just also top eight with Amulet was was definitely something. Um, and everybody knows, like, I guess Canada's Amulet territory now, which is unfortunate. Edgar, has, has anything changed since, since we last had you on the show? Has the deck evolved in any way? I think we, we, I tweeted at you about any possible like play-draw strategies. Uh, has, has there been much change since, since we last had you on? Yeah, the deck's been uh, evolving a little bit throughout, throughout the, the months. I, I don't know exactly how long ago it's been since, since I was last on here, but uh, I guess the most recent change for the deck is uh, the introduction of Coalition Relic as a, a main staple a ramp in the deck, and uh, I think that's the biggest change. It's given us a lot of percentage points in the Blood Moon matchups, and the Discard Spell heavy matchups is a pseudo two-for-one. It's just it's just been a very good card, something that we overlooked in the past. I mean, I... Are you getting good testing in, or are you just facing a bunch of mirrors locally? <laughs> I mean, that, that one tournament was pretty rough. I, I played three mirrors throughout the day. Once in the Swiss, and then two in the top four and top eight. Um, but you still get good testing. It's not like everyone's on it. Uh, it just so happened that the tournament on Sunday, all the Amulet players ended up doing well, aside from one of them. And the guy who didn't do well, I think he picked up the deck like a couple weeks ago or something. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the mirror match isn't, isn't that interesting, but the, all the other matchups are still pretty interesting. And with the new mulligan rule, people are trying new things, and it's still a good time, I guess. What were you expecting to see at uh, in London? Um, I mean, I wish I knew, but <laughs> it's. Uh, I'm hoping that people are going to just stick to the good decks. I don't really think that any decks that were bad before have all of a sudden become good. Um, People are saying otherwise, but I think that most of those decks, maybe maybe like a couple, are, are getting close to, to Tier 1. But, but for the most part, I think people are just going to play the decks that were already good, and some of them improved more than others based on the mulligan rule. And if that's the case, then I like my chances, because I think Amulet's pretty good in the current meta. Um, Morgan was teasing some, some sort of simulation article that's about to come out on, on face-to-face games. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. What his results are uh, for for the Mulligan, we'll be looking forward to that. Um, but what what is the current meta, uh, Edgar? Like, what do you see? What, what how do you define the current meta? I mean, I think the level zero is uh, basically Phoenix, Dredge, and Tron being the the most popular decks, uh, or the best decks, if you want to call it that. And then maybe Shadow and Black Green and and humans below that. Um, and I think for the most part, the, the vast majority of the metagame is probably going to deviate towards those decks. Control's on a bit of an uprise. I'm not sure if that's just my proximity to a lot of control players, but uh, I think that that deck is getting more popular. Uh, but for the most part, those are probably the five or six decks that I would expect the most of 
if if the metagame was to stay relatively similar. Okay, that, that makes sense to me. Um, I gotta plug the the face to face games dot com Edmonton Open Plus is happening this Saturday. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, just first time, definitely go to ffseries.facetofacegames.com. Quick little shout out to Jennifer Crotts in the chat. Always my girl. Um, Attila, you're playing at the Edmonton Open Plus. You won Magic Fest Calgary with a Jun Breach deck. The people on this show were sort of making fun of us, like, why, why, why is he playing black over white? Um, how, did you, how do you feel your deck was against uh, Phoenix? I think we talked and you said it was. I forget. Looks against Phoenix. I think you're happy to face Dredge. Probably happy to face Tron, and you were okay with your Phoenix matchup because you you played. You brought in the black spells because you wanted more answers to thing in the ice. I remember that, right? So Dredge is a bit iffy. Like it's it's okay, but you have to get a chalice, not a chalice, but a ley line for it, or one of your traps. Uh, Phoenix, I faced four times, and the matchups weren't really that close. Oh, so you're really happy with the Phoenix match. I'm, I'm really happy with the Phoenix match. Game one, you just try to race, and you have a bit of disruption. You have to stop that thing in the ice, or else you die. So once you stop that, it's pretty good, because you're still racing. You keep hands based on speed and not anything else, game one. And game two, you bring in like your chalice, your sphere, your ley lines, and your trap. And you shape some of the uh, spells that aren't too good against them. So on top of being able to race, now you can adjust layline them and disrupt their main plan. Hmm. Um, John, do you mind, Attila, why, why you preferred white over black again? Why, why you didn't like the black so Attila can respond on the show? Yeah, Attila, first, uh, congrats on your win. It was uh, obviously very good, and uh, you guys you had a lot of local support there, which is really cool to see here. Um, I- I've tested uh, a lot of Valakut, and uh, the white splash really did... Um, um, that impressed me um, because, like, you can play Path, you can play uh, Timely Reinforcement, uh, Ghostly Prison, Rip, Sony, etc. And like, Path gives you gives you the same kind of like percentage points against um, uh, Death Shadow, Gurmag Angler, and uh, Thing in the Ice. And um, like, honestly, like in my opinion, like in my view, like Black's value is tied to how good a Slaughter game is, and I don't think Slaughter game's game is very good right now. Whereas Path still lets you um, answer um, answer those um, ice, and you can still play Ravnus Trap and Leyland the Void without the black. So um, I'd be very curious to hear like what your thought process thought process was with the picking black. Yeah, yeah. I mean, white with if you use white for path and you use the black hate spells that you don't ever cast uh, unless they're free, that's probably fine. But if you want to go the way of rest in peace, I think that's too slow. Especially if you're on a draw, like against Dredge, they could have a board by turn two before you can rip. And unless you're racing, the, the two or three creatures will hurt a lot and probably kill you. Hmm, that makes sense. John? No, that's that's fair enough. And uh, rip rip certainly doesn't have to does have doesn't have to um get into the equation, but Stony Silence and uh, Timely Reinforcement certainly does. Uh, does help here. Um, you you are playing the Spirit Guide version, so you could so you could you know uh, ramp out the uh, faster breach on the Chalice. So like perhaps um, you could play the white, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know just pump out the turn one rest in peace as well. That was my thought. And yeah, yeah. Did you play Titan Shift or Breach? Because they, they I, play- I, 
Sorry, I played a bit of both, but for the white, I've most, it's mostly Titan Shift version, yeah. But I would probably agree for Titan Shift, white would likely be better. Uh, but I'm not sure how much I like it for Breach, just because I'm trying to maintain speed. Uh, and some of those, I'd rather go with the free hate spells and then just pure speed. But it's possible, like, Sony Silence and all that is good. They're obviously great cards, and white is probably the best sideboard options in modern right now, or always. No, that's fair enough. I, I just, I was just thinking that like you don't have to be black to play uh, Leylines and yeah. or Ravnus, which I believe you, you did. So that, that was my thought process. Uh, Attila, what, what are you expecting uh, this weekend in, at Edmonton? I mean, it's the local Edmonton meta game, so I don't know Phoenix humans. There's always burn. It, it's just random, honestly. A couple, <laughs> couple of amulet players, a couple of dredge players. One or two versus Death Shadow players that they always play. Like it's, it's the Edmonton meta game. Is is there any reason for you not to want to run it back? Uh, just for fun, probably. You know, catch people off guard. What if I'm running Infect? Uh, that would be fun. <laughs> it would be. And uh, we saw we saw a fan of the show, Sergio Ferry, uh, top eighting Sao Paulo with Boggles. Um, I, I, he did super well. He was like the top Boggles player in Calgary, at least from, from what I've seen from the top tables. And uh, I looked at his Boggle list, and, and I'm sure um, most people think it probably looks kind of bad. Um, like the one of Mana Type, the one of Open the Armory, and, and all that stuff. But he was able to get there. And uh, I wonder if it's because it's as well positioned as he thinks it is. Uh, he loves the, the creature based matchups. and. Uh, yeah, like uh, we'll get him on the show at some point. But uh, that deck, uh, but he's been the only one so far that I've seen had success with it. Uh, John, John, what do you think about Boggles in the format? I mean, it's probably fine. I mean, he was playing the fifth kill spell for Thanias, which, you know, does make a difference in the Dromokus command, right? And, you know, it, ta- it attacks through humans, attacks through burn, dredge can never beat it. Tron, you just have to hope and pray and all that. Um, if you have if you have a certain view about how the metagame is shaping up, like Boggles is something that I always keep in the back in my back pocket. Uh, I don't think it's never going to be one of the best decks in the format period, but um, I think there are going to be metagames where like it could be like a good metagame call for that weekend. Um, it, I think I think what I did learn is probably that Sergio's part of Sergio's version is probably the optimal like playing the full set of pass because of the metagame, like, like John is the answer to, to all these uh, troublesome creatures. But uh, Ginger, do you have another take on, on Boggles? Uh, I don't think Boggles is very good, but I play Phoenix, and my, my thing in the ice is always survive. When they don't survive, I have a second <laughs> thing in the ice. So I don't know. I've just always crushed it. It's never really been close. If you play Boggles, like you just like to get free throwed against thing in the ice in my opinion but like it's modern right like you don't play against phoenix every single round maybe you play against phoenix three times twice in a gp uh i don't know i would i would never get caught dead with boggles when thing in the ice is like the second best creature in the format (laughs) fair, fair enough uh, but for those of you who do want to play Boggles, like, I, I do think they... But like you mentioned, uh, Derek, is the Phoenix everywhere? Thinking the yes is a problem. And I don't remember when I last played Boggles, which is years ago, if, if I was adopting four path for that whatever meta game 
there was at that time, but I guess now now it's a must. So so for people playing that, definitely look at Sergio's deck list, and and he's always available online for you to pick his brain on the archetype. Uh, one thing: don't play mana type. It's it's a good meme, <laughs> but don't don't. What? No, 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 no. Play manatize. Whenever you manatize your opponent, look them in the eyes and let them know that they should have played around manatize. And then sideboard them out. And when they play around manatize, game two and game three, look them in the eyes after sideboard after the match and say, I sideboarded them out. <laughs> John, you were testing with the new Mulligan, and and do you think Cheerios uh, gained a lot because because of of the coming new Mulligan rule? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Someone did ran a simulation of uh, Monte Carlo simulation, and uh, the number was that um, it decreased the fail rate by like twenty percent, which is significant. Have like a 68 percent win rate so far um, with Cheerios with the new uh, Mulligan rule, and. Uh, uh, I top 32 the challenge just playing for sh- shits and giggles, but um, I I could have been like X1 with tighter play and etc. So the the rule is definitely very helpful for materials here. All the people that are testing for the pro tour and just are, I'm, I keep running into amulet and on and dredge and they just have absolutely no hope and just like run them over on uh, turn to <laughs> like half the time. But you know you can never beat the card thoughts these or uh, fatal push etc. So you're you're making a bet. And uh, I was saying this in the chat, but at the Pro Tour, notably, the open deckless uh, system does favor the answer deck, like the the classic mid-range control, like wrong half of the deck problem. It solves that. You, you know, part uh, a big part of Cheerios wins in game one comes from you going, hey, turn one, uh, for the strand, go. And people jam their thing in the ice, so scan time, you just kill them. But with the open deckless, it's going to be uh, a lot harder to do that. Uh, so I think the Mulligan rule is very good for Cheerios, but the open deck is actually an appreciable um, obstacle. So I'm not sure. Um, there's a Platinum Pro, uh, Kellen Pastor, that's been documenting how good Cheerios has been in his testing. Maybe he'll play it, maybe not, but I think it's real under the uh, Mulligan rule. I mean, Edgar in the chat said, uh, if you'll play Cheerios, he's, uh, he's effed, so... <laughs> Are, are you worried, Edgar, that people are going to adopt this deck? You're not supposed to tell people that, hurt. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a horrendous matchup. It's it, it might be the worst possible matchup for Amulet, but I mean, I'm not worried. Like uh, like John said, I I think that even though the deck got a boost, the the fact that people are going to know you're playing it is a huge deal. And like I was saying earlier, I think that even with the the sizable boost, the deck's just not strong enough on power level to bring it up to a contender. I think that people should just stick to the good decks. Mm. Good point, good point. Um, Andy, uh, while we're on the subject of these, these uh, deckless things, um, being able to see your opponent's decklist before, uh, we talked privately in our group chat that, that you're all for this change, so let's get your, your two cents on that. Yeah, so one of my least favorite things about Modern is that like it a lot of the the way the format shakes out is it takes away your ability to like play a game of magic. And I think with open deck lists, I think more games of magic will actually get played because there'll be less of the drawing the wrong half of your deck problem, less of these like super linear combo decks getting away with it because uh, everyone knows what to mulligan for and that kind of stuff. So I think this change allows for that. And also 
kind of evens the playing field when it comes to like feature matches and stuff like that. Like if you get featured and you're on this big pro team, like everyone knows what all these people are playing and that's a, a pretty big disadvantage to them. And I think, uh, someone's, I think, uh, someone's got him. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, so I think it's a big disadvantage to the big teams. And, uh, I think what ha- will happen is, um, because I think LSB said something on Twitter is like everyone already knew what I was playing around like two or three anyway of like the the constructed thing, so I think it just even the playing field more actual magic gets to get played, and uh, I, I like that. And uh, I I know me personally as I I'm terrified of like the lottery matchup that is modern, and that's like one of my least favorite things. So at least knowing the matchup will make me feel a little bit better, make better decisions in mulliganing, which is already just such a huge stress point in modern. Right. I think I think the counter to that was something that uh, I've seen brought online by, by Brewers and what John uh, brought up in chat, like the surprise factor. And I, and I also agree with that. Uh, but overall, all the benefits, I think John agrees with that as well. All the other benefits that you mentioned and how good it is for coverage, how now people won't be afraid to like be deck tech really early and stuff like that. And, and it's just overall, it's way better. But uh, I know, like, some brewers will miss that, like, gotcha factor for sure. I think that, that's something some players really live for, and uh, that's, that's going to be gone. But, yeah, but uh, now, now when you have, like, a one-of remand in your deck, your opponent will just be terrified of it the whole time. So, like, the, <laughs> the weirdo cards still sort of do their job. It's just uh, it's a little more out in the open. Like, if there's a Settle the Wreckage in your deck, now your opponent might play around it. But it's, like, your weird card slot to, like, put people off kilter is still going to do exactly that. It's still going to freak people out. Manatite. <laughs> Manatite, for sure. Yeah, can what? you imagine knowing that your opponent is, first of all, a psychopath, and second of all, could manatite you at any moment? <laughs> a sing- a one singleton. Sergio only plays one copy because he thinks multiples are bad, and, and I can see his logic um, for the Manatite. He's not wrong. It does get worse in multiples. You only need to manage <laughs> the more them you once. play, the worse it gets. You only need to manage them once, and then they know. They don't know if you're playing four. They don't know if you're playing one. <laughs> but I also love the benefit of. I mean, Andy, I'm sure you've had this situation happen a lot, where you go, you play game one against someone, and then they just either mug into oblivion or, or have a bad hand. They just die, but you have you still have to kill them, and then game two. You don't know what to do, like what to board because you haven't seen anything, and, and they know what you're playing, and then it's like, and then game two they have a huge edge against me because yeah, I've I've never really felt bad about the literal free game one win. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, dang, I'm only thirty percent to win this game two after just a free win. <laughs> so like, I never really mind those, but I guess uh, the the free wins are even worse now. <laughs> Uh, Attila, what what is this? Uh, what did your win uh, qualify you for? Uh, for Barcelona. Barcelona. That's that's okay. So that's what everyone's uh, going to be playing these mythic qualifiers to qualify for. Yeah. So you won't you won't be playing any of these. I can't get a Ravager. It's so sad. <laughs> you yeah. You won't even be able to participate. No, yeah, that, that does suck. Oh man. Um, awful now. <laughs> How far away is Barcelona? It's end of July. Okay. Go ahead, Edgar. 
I was gonna say that uh, complaining about not getting a Ravager is almost like complaining about winning game one and not knowing how to sideboard. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say that Barcelona is overseas. I don't know exactly where it is. <laughs> I don't know, twenty thousand miles away. Yeah, that that seems like a good a good guess. I think that's how far away it is. <laughs> how big is the Earth in miles? I have no clue. <laughs> I, 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 I I could I guess like and be off by like a whole digit. <laughs> I was looking at the map the other day because I, I didn't like, I'm like, oh, London's six hours. Like, how is Australia 12 hours away? Like, that's just so far. It is. It's really far. <laughs> Australia is just so far. <laughs> All right. I, I'm going to go to John. You're uh, preparing to write an article for, for uh, faceofacegames.com. Um, looking at some trends, new trends to see if you might be able to predict what's going to happen either at the Mythic Championship or, or whatever upcoming tournaments. Uh, what interesting trends have you seen? Yeah, so I was interested in like the, uh, the post-KCI ban metagame. So I, uh, like any rational person would do, I dug up all the Star City game, Open and Classic and... Uh, Grand Prix main event on MCQ and all the modern uh, Magic Online PTQs and challenges last three months. So normal stuff here. And uh, try, try to see the top 32 and the top eight uh, distributions uh, to, just to see like if you know uh, Dredge and Phoenix is really worth a ban in terms of um, banning Faithless Looting and you know just trending to see you know we had this not. Whether it was an anomaly that um, a bunch of Phoenix decks uh, top aided and top 32 in March, or whether there's a trend forming that people have already adjusted to, because modern uh, does that, right? There was Death Shadow, there was uh, humans that were new decks that people didn't know how to play against, and it was um, it was dominant for you know a few months, and then people adjusted. To it. Um, so so far, what I found was that other than the blip in the uh, in paper play in March, like Phoenix has been. Um, one of the best decks, but not dominant uh, whatsoever. I think it's a very it's a very good deck, and it's going to be one of the most played decks in Pro Tour. But I don't think it's appreciably better than anything else. And the other thing that I noticed was, um, yeah, the Magic Online metagame generally is accepted as being uh, a spikier field with better and more informed players. And um, on Magic Online, Matt, uh, the Phoenix shares have been uh, dropping, trending downwards uh, ever since March, I think, and uh, it kind of culminate, culminated in last weekend's um, MCQ, sorry, the Mox playoffs, where people had to qualify to play in these playoff events, and notably, like only um, like Phoenix, like it was like nine, nine out of sixty people played Tron, and then similar numbers of humans, etc. So the best players in the world who qualified for this playoff event, uh, only like under 10% of them chose Phoenix, and Phoenix didn't do very well. So I, I think that like if we accept that uh, Magical Online is a leading indicator of uh, future metagames in uh, paper, maybe there's something there to predict the metagame in uh, the Pro Tour. So I think that um, it'll be pretty flat here. Um, there were day two Grand Prix metagames where Phoenix was like 20%, and everyone was calling for bans. But, I think it's more. It's going to be more muted. I think the top decks will be like 15, 14% at most, and we're going to have a pretty balanced uh, metagame. So that's my finding so far. I'll keep writing the article, and uh, it should come out next week. But you're still seeing Tr- Tron as one, one of the top, and, and humans as a surprise. 
Is that is that it? I don't think it's a surprise here. I think um, human. The trend is that human uh, Phoenix has moved away from the gut shots, uh, where surgical main deck is irrelevant against them, and they're also adopting real cyborg cards like surgical extraction and graph diggers cage, which, in my opinion, they should have been doing all this time. So uh, combined with those two and the fact that like just guy and like those types of decks have been declining, I think it makes sense that uh, the the spiky online grinders are picking up Tron and uh, and humans and Tron as well. So that's the biggest thing I'm seeing. Hmm. And the winner was was Dredge, right? Was your deck, John? It was indeed Dredge. Yes. Playing playing Ghost Quarter in the main. Let's not talk about. That. <laughs> What copy of Ghost Quarter in the main? For, against Tron. If Tron's the num- one of the top decks in your breakdown, then uh, I think that's a, a stronger argument. If I can just remind you, in Calgary, I played against three straight Tron decks. <laughs> I had them under a Ghost Quarter, a Life in the Loam Lock, and I still lost both of them. So, uh, scoreboard, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, until, actually, do, do you think you, you might actually play Infect? Like, is that uh, a backup deck that you have for, for, for the Open Plus? Yeah, I mean, I, I have Phoenix, in fact, uh, Boggles. Uh, I mean, I tried p- playing Phoenix and Boggles and lost horribly locally, so maybe not so good for me, but, you know, I'm, I'm a terrible Phoenix player. <laughs> maybe I'll just stick to shifting. <laughs> How, wait, have you touched Infect in a while? How's that been? Oh, no, it's, it's been a long time. Hey, you just count to 10, right? It's fine. <laughs> it's easy. Fun. <laughs> now how does it feel that now that you're a champion now that we're like weeks away from your win has it set in that you're the champ is it still unbelievable that you took everything down it's still pretty un- unbelievable like mostly because i started 3-2 right right you went I, up to I, me and i'm like okay let's, i didn't let's expect hope. it i was like let's hope for a good day two uh, record and i bet you won the whole thing yeah. <laughs> Um, and you lost to the two. It was funny because you lost to the two matchups that you didn't want to see. You yeah, I, right. I lost to Infect in round three, and I lost to Green Black Elves in round five. And I mean, I have no angers or anything, so it's a race, and they're generally quicker than me. But I didn't expect. I mean, I knew people would be playing the decks, but it's not part of the meta game. So if I face them, I lose. Whatever. Can it's modern. Can't can't do much about it. Do you? For for this deck, do you test with anyone in particular? Do you have a team? Are you going to have a team for Barcelona? You think? Do you, do you know how you're going to be testing for that tournament? I'm not fully sure yet. Like, yeah, probably going to test with the uh, local guys at Star Lotus, uh, just like we did for uh, Calgary. And I'm pretty sure we'll make some plans with Andrew Huska for Barcelona, and see how that works out. Oh yeah, sweet Huska also. Uh, yeah. you beat him in top four. So he, I mean, he can't beat a scapeshift deck uh, <laughs> ever, so that's, that's probably why. <laughs> uh, I asked Derek, and I think I asked a previous guest on the show, I forget who, uh, Edgar, how are you preparing for the limited portion of the tournament? I wish I knew, Kurt. Do you need me to print the decks? Do I have to print the decks, cut them out for you? Is that Yeah, I just <laughs> print off 10 of every comment and ship them over to my house. If you can make the packs too, that would be nice. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do everything I normally do. I, I normally go pretty hard for like week one limited Grand Prix. 
Um, and I generally do pretty well at those. I think I'm like decently good at uh, evaluating limited formats off the gate. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna research a lot of the card, look at the card interactions when the set gets spoiled completely, look at the relevant power and toughness thresholds for the formats and and the curve thresholds, and try to get some good fundamentals. And then when it goes on Magic Arena three days before or whatever, I'm just gonna probably play twenty hours a day or something. Uh, Derek, do you, do you think, like, so I don't, like, misunderstand you, do you think, like, not actually drafting the cards is just, you think drafting the actual cards is too much effort, or just not, not useful enough? I think, <laughs> I think, obviously, if there was an easier way to do it and simulate it properly, where I would feel in a good position that I'd be getting good results, then, yeah, it'd be very, very much worth it, because when you draft and when you actually see things come in certain pick orders and how other people are evaluating and like certain interactions, like it's very important compared to just theorizing about it. But I don't think printing off literal probably <laughs> thousands of cards, like Edgar said, 10 of each common, you know, five of each uncommon and then like trying to simulate a pack the right way is like worth it. You have programs that can probably do that close enough, if not already well enough. And I think, like, if, if your limited prowess isn't good enough to have a good card evaluation for you to think that you can, like, I don't know, 4-2 limited at a pro tour, you're probably not going to win anyways. So, like, maybe it's best to just not worry about it. <laughs> I, I do wonder if the old tools still exist. Like, back in the day, I think I used something like NetDraft or whatever that allowed you to draft with other people I to build those decks. I followed an account on Twitter. I don't remember. Somebody retweeted it. They, they have a simulator that did it. And I, I know when I used to play Cockatrice, mind you, this was like seven years ago, they always, somebody always uploaded the full set and you could do drafts if you wanted to. Um, so I don't, I don't actually know if there are other resources. I've just always played on Magic Online. Uh, to, to me, like, this is unique, but not a huge obstacle. I was just curious if you guys were going to like set up the eight of you just to do one of these like cockatrice drafts, basically. We could. Uh, I mean, Morgan made a simulator to simulate 22 million hands or something ridiculous. I'm sure Morgan could design something, but it's probably just easiest for us to do something in house the week before. I don't know when it comes up on Magic Online, but I also have a fully stocked Moto account from my mocks qualification that wizards gave me that has <laughs> 10,000 play points on it so <laughs> if, if it's up before the pro tour starts we could just draft on that account but i don't i don't know actually when it goes up on magic online it's worth noting that as a team we kind of avoided doing uh real life drafts even for the for the other pro tours as well we just found it not worth the time we would do a couple the day before just to get yourself in the mindset but we, we would never do it during testing we would just huddle around a computer we found them much more effective yeah when i, when I queued for Amonkhet, uh i played like 10 online drafts and then just had talked with rob for a couple hours about it and i, I forward to that limited portion of that pt for my first pt so uh, i don't think you need to put in that much effort you just need to be a confident limited player i think 
I, I can imagine, Edgar, was it because possibly because all eight of you would end up thinking in the same way? So it's like pretty predictable how you draft and you're just doing the same thing, too much groupthink or? Yeah, getting inbred is definitely a part of it. I think the biggest problem is just the amount of time it takes. And you, you just get more valuable data if eight different people play online and you, you really capture everything. All righty. All right, we're at the tail end of the show. Um, Attila, besides the Edmonton Open Plus, what's what's up for? What can we look forward to from you? Probably not much. Like, I don't travel much for GPs. I don't really go to big tournaments that much. Don't even drive to Calgary too often nowadays. <laughs> so we'll have to see. I guess I have no idea. All right. Got that trophy in the background there, right? Up, right yeah, right we may as well have it there. there, there. <laughs> Sweet, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again once we get closer to uh, MC Barcelona. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for answering uh, John's questions about your deck list. I think it does make sense uh, what you said. Um, and good luck this weekend. Good luck this Saturday. Yep. Thanks for having me. That was Attila Fur. Magic Fest Calgary champion, John Breach, Funky Deck. Definitely check it out if you want to play something that's not of the ordinary. He ended up winning with, with matchups that he felt were favorable in, in that top eight. Uh, he managed to take down Andrew Huska playing Is It Phoenix. I believe he took down uh, Sam Party in the finals, who was playing yeah, Party the on on Shadow, so yeah, I think he felt pretty good against those matchups, and uh, he backed that up. He backed that up by by crushing them. Um, Andy, any, anything you want to add for for modern? Uh, I just, I guess, uh, I still would just play Is It Phoenix. Not not much else there. I think it's just an incredibly consistent deck. You see so much of your deck in the games that you play that it's so. Hard not to fail sometimes. Uh, the new Mulligan rule has seemed pretty awesome. I think like it doesn't benefit is it as much because I almost never Mulliganed anyway because all your hands are just like three cantrips, a threat, and a removal spell. Those are all your hands. And so, I don't know. I think Trot is the deck I've seen the most uptick on Magic Online because of the Mulligan rule, and I think it does benefit quite a bit from it. So I think it and Dredge are the two decks that were already good that benefited the most. So those are the two decks that I would look out for because they're already proven and they get definitely better because of the mulligan rule. So those are two things I would keep my eye on. That makes sense. I saw I was watching Huska pilot Phoenix. He was crushing everyone, and then it just uh, these they're they're happy to play these decks. And and Sean D he was uh, Dollywall. He was. Qualified, won the uh, MCQ at the Magic Fest, and had a strong, uh, decent performance at the main event, and and could have done better if one or two matches fell his way. So, still definitely a top contender, but maybe not as, um, maybe not as good heading into the MC. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, any last thoughts from you, Derek? No, uh, I'm excited to go to London. Excited to hang out with the Queen. Uh, gonna break out the misplaced log. Gonna yes. meet me and Edgar taking the same flight there and back. I think as long as I don't miss my flight. So uh, we're we're gonna get 
Misplaced. <laughs> Terrible. More vlog. And uh, if you could get more Edgar in your vlog, that'd be awesome. We the, saw... first one, uh, the first one had Edgar playing piano, and I think that was the peak of the vlog. <laughs> okay, you got to link, link, link that to me after. I want to check that out. Um, we had my friend Cedric Phillips preview his new vlog series with some high, like he actually has a friend, I guess a friend or someone he's hiring as a uh, cinematographer, someone who's like filming and editing for him. So we're, we're, we're going to see like a higher level of production. Like I've seen Paul Chian uh, do his stuff. I've seen Marshall Sutcliffe have, have decent blogs. So I'm interested to see what happens when someone goes to the next level and has someone like really edit in a professional, more professional fashion. And, but obviously still look forward to the misplaced vlogs. Uh, all the versions of it, whatever version, not the upside down version. And when you figure out how to turn the camera right side up, uh, this, 10 minutes in. This version won't be upside down unless we're in Australia. Right. Everything in Australia is upside down. Uh, Edgar, any last words before we head out? No, uh, thanks for having me on here. And hopefully I come back as MC champion next time. <laughs> All right, well, I hope so too. Uh, you, uh, Matthew Dilks, like everyone like around you seems to be crushing it, so I expect that to continue, whether it be this tournament or the next. John, anything from you? Uh, good luck to everyone going to uh, Grand Prix Niagara Fall. Um, I can't be there, but I wish I did. Legacy, I think it's in a pretty diverse spot right now, so too bad there's no coverage, and I, I think a lot of pros won't make it there because it's, it's a week before the Pro Tour, but I'm uh, excited to follow along uh, what goes on in Legacy, and then in one week, I'm going to watch my favorite format in a, in a Pro Tour. So that's exciting. All right, good luck to Elliot at the Magic Fest Niagara, and uh, if you want to support the show, just like, subscribe, tell people about the show, the YouTube the anchor link, whatever, iTunes, everything, or go to patreon.com slash first strike. And we will see you next week. Hopefully Elliot is the new Magic Pass champ, as he likes to call the shots, but never gets there. We'll see. <laughs> Bye, guys.